Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wildcat Scoop Podcast. I'm Wildcat Authority Senior Editor Jason Shear, and uh, I know it's been a while. Uh, it's not a good idea to go to Disneyland already sick and then walk around an entire day in freezing cold temperatures and pouring rain and only a hoodie. As it turns out, that's a bad idea, and I was without a voice for a week. Um, so there's a lot uh, to talk about. Um, went to Anaheim. Uh, it seems like it was quite a while ago. Um, so we're going to kind of fast forward to the Baylor game. And, you know, watching the Baylor game, um, I'm a little bit surprised by some of the reaction. I, I watched the Baylor game, and when it was over, there wasn't really any negative thoughts I had about Arizona's loss. It was just kind of like, well, whatever. I mean, they weren't going to go undefeated. They went on the road against a team that basically Baylor's goal is to make the game as ugly as possible. Um, Arizona's first true road game, I know it wasn't uh, – a road environment, so to speak, because of of just the way that everything worked out with the Big 12 title game and the number of Arizona fans. But it's still a different process going on the road. Um, Arizona still tipping off in a in a morning game when we all know that Arizona basketball tends to tip off later in the day. Arizona shot like 28% from the field, the worst shooting game of the Sean Miller era at Arizona. Struggled on the glass at times. Josh Green didn't practice because of strep throat. Nico Mannion didn't practice because he had a lower back uh, slash hip issue. And yet, Arizona had a chance to win that game. Um, you know, Baylor did not shoot well, but Baylor's not a great shooting team. That's kind of how they play, um, especially when you go and you play at Baylor. Um, if you've never been to that arena, it is not a basketball arena. It's more of an event center. Um, so it's kind of a, a different perspective. And from what I've been told by a few people, players and reporters, etc., it's not a surprise that Arizona struggled offensively because it takes some time. The sight lines are very different. And uh, it, it kind of just happened. And, like, I didn't watch that game and say to myself, man, you know, my opinion of Arizona has changed a ton. Arizona is not as, as good of a team as I thought before. Um, you know, there's a few national guys that actually have said that their opinion of Arizona has changed because they think that the Wildcats are actually better than they did before the Baylor game. Um, that is a, a solid Baylor team. And watching that game, even though Arizona lost, there wasn't a time where I kind of said to myself, man, uh, Baylor's the better basketball team. Like, I, I feel confident saying that if Arizona and Baylor played 10 times, uh, I think Arizona would take like seven of them. Uh, or, you know, I, I think it'd be uh, relatively close. I don't think that Baylor is a better team than Arizona. I just think that on that day with everything that's going on and all that, um, that they were the better team. Um, if they were, I mean, they weren't the better team by much. Um, it, are there concerns from the game? Sure. And, and we'll go through that in a minute. But um, overall, I, I think that kind of looking at everything, uh, the bigger challenge, the game that will tell me more, will be the Gonzaga game. And, and I know it's at McHale, and so Arizona should have the home court advantage, obviously. Um, but I think just the way that the week will play out and such, I think we'll have a better feel. Uh, Nico Mannion and Josh Green practiced fully um, today, today being Monday, uh, and they're fine. They should be good to go for Omaha, figuring everybody's healthy there. Um, the Gonzaga game should should be a fun one. Uh, Stone Gettings is going to be out for the Omaha game and the Gonzaga game. And after that, uh, we'll, we'll see. The time off will probably be helpful in the goals to get him back 
for Pac-12 play, according to Sean Miller. But I will do another podcast in a couple days after the Omaha game previewing the Gonzaga matchup because I think that deserves its own podcast because that is going to be a a very good game. Uh, My guess is Gonzaga is favored to win it, uh, but we'll get to that when the time comes. As for the the Baylor game and the team overall, um, I'll kind of go in order like I usually do with the players. Um, I I know that Jimmy Dykes thinks that Nico Mannion is basically the equivalent of a walk-on basketball player, uh, but I thought the criticism of him on Saturday in the Baylor game uh, was bordering on asinine. I mean, it was there is a part in the broadcast where, I mean, you had national guys tweeting about how stupid it was. I, I've been watching Nico Mannion play for years. Um, I've never once said to myself or heard anybody question his work ethic and question how much he wants to win. I, I think it is apparent to Arizona fans that the kid wants to win. Just because he's being defended well or he doesn't do certain things as well as others doesn't mean that he doesn't want to win a basketball game. Just because he doesn't defensive rebound as well as some other point guards, like I know that Jimmy Dykes was comparing his rebounding numbers to Cole Anthony and all that, but meanwhile Cole Anthony went 4-15 of last game with two rebounds. I mean, it was just it was crazy. And look, if Cole Anthony is better than Nico Mannion, so be it. If you think that, that's fine. But to basically disparage Nico Mannion was, was kind of just crazy to me. Uh, he had an off game. You know, we see Nico play really well, and we see Nico have an off game. And, and I think that the off game was related to him not practicing. Sean Miller implied as much after the Baylor game and said, look, we, we worked on stuff this week, but when we're working on stuff and Nico Manning and Josh Green aren't in practice and we're struggling with some of the things and they're struggling with some of the things that we practice, it's pretty obvious why. Um, and so uh, I think the message was clear that sometimes you kind of just have to kind of push through it if you're Nico Manning and um, he probably could have practiced a little bit more last week. He kind of held himself out a little bit and uh, it, it's, it's a learning situation for the freshman point guard. I mean, it, it happens. It's not the end of the world. The kid didn't play well. Um, you know, his defense wasn't awful. I, I thought, could he be a bit better rebounder? Sure. Is he clearly the best point guard that Sean Miller's had at Arizona? I don't think there's any question. I realize that we're only 10 games in or whatever, but it is pretty obvious his importance to this team. And if anything, that was magnified against Baylor where, you know, it is it is a concern for this team that I feel that it's difficult for this team to overcome a bad game by Mannion. Um, you know, Jamal Baker needs to step up when that happens. Max Hazard did not play well at all all against Baylor, Dylan Smith, etc. Those guys did not play well. And when Nico doesn't play well, there's going to have to be that guy that steps up. And we haven't seen that yet. And as, as good of a player as Nico Mannion is, like I said before, he's not the perfect player. There's going to be games where he doesn't play well. And when he doesn't play well, who's going to be that guy to step up? And I think that Arizona is still searching for it. Um, If you remember before the season, it wasn't Jamal Baker that was supposed to be the backup point guard. It wasn't Max Hazard that was supposed to be the backup point guard. It was Devonair Dutrieff. And we all know what happened there. He's off the team. He's headed to Boise uh, to play with Emmanuel Acott. But um, right now, I think Arizona needs a guy to step up in that backup point guard role where if Nico gets in foul trouble or if he's not hitting or something happens, who's going to be that guy to emerge? And, And I think that Arizona doesn't really have that right now. And uh, it, maybe it's not a huge concern because I think as the season goes along, you're you're okay with Nico playing more minutes and all that. But 
you know, hey, I mean, it, you got to have a guy step up in the backcourt. And, uh, you know, Dylan Smith in Anaheim was that guy. There is no doubt that at Anaheim, um, he was unreal. I mean, he was shutting people up left and right. And, and I retweeted someone on Twitter, would you have Maui Justin Coleman or Anaheim Dylan Smith? And, and it's it's a legit question because if you remember, Maui Justin Coleman looked like the best point guard in the country, uh, and he never matched it. And then Anaheim Dylan Smith, we'll find out. He didn't play well uh, against Baylor. Uh, had a nice play towards the end of the game, but overall did not play well. Um, but I don't know how much I hold that against him, considering that you look on Arizona in that Baylor game, and there's nobody you can really point to as saying, man, he played uh, really well. Um, as it turns out, I think Dylan Smith has been playing well this this season. Uh, there's a reason he's starting. I know people want Jamal Baker in the starting lineup, but I, I kind of like it the way it is now, because I think that Jamal Baker is more of a spark and there's less of a drop-off when he comes out off the bench. If he starts, then your top guard off the bench is probably Dylan Smith, and he's not that type of player. And I think that Arizona also likes his defense next to Manny and next to Josh Green, etc., and that overall their best defensive lineup is when Dylan Smith is in the game. Um, is he a great player? No, obviously not. Uh, he's having the best season of his career at Arizona so far. I think that's clear. He's not going to be the Anaheim Dylan Smith averaging 15 points a game and, and, and having four-point plays and, and clutch moments. But if he can find somewhere in between, he's going to start the rest of the season. I mean, whether people don't like him or not, his job is to go out there, defend, rebound, take care of the ball, hit the open jumper. And if he can do that, He's going to start. I mean, he's not a big scorer, and Arizona's not asking him to be a big scorer. And I think that Dylan Smith, as much as it pains me to say at times because I realize that it's basically admitting that I'm wrong, uh, I I think he's done relatively well this season. Now it's early in the season. There's a lot to play. He's going to get really challenged uh, against Gonzaga and and their guards who can score in bunches, and and, uh, I'm curious to see how he plays there. But up until this point, um, he's played well. Uh, moving on kind of to, to, to Josh Green. Jo- Josh Green's an interesting case. I, I thought in, in terms of the Baylor game, um, there were a couple bad decisions that he made. He had the floater late in the game on the baseline where it felt like he could go in for a layup. Um, and, and, you know, the, the three at the end, I don't hold against him. It was a decent look, and, and he missed it. Again, not going to be perfect. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing sometimes with Josh is uh, when, when his shots aren't falling, he kind of loses confidence, or at least it, it looks that way. And so you kind of know that if his first couple shots are falling and he makes them, he's going to be fine the rest of the game. If he's missing the shots early in the game, he tends to struggle. Like, there's no medium with him. Um, I will say that his defense continues to to be strong. Uh, I think that he's probably the best defender on the team right now. He still makes mistakes, but you're confident in his work ethic and his ability to learn that eventually those mistakes uh, will decrease. Uh, it's just a matter for, for him of being a more consistent basketball player. And, and that's something that you could say for most freshmen in the country is that the biggest obstacle they have is is finding some sort of consistency. I mean, in high school, guys like Josh Green, they're playing opponents where they're just so much better than than, uh, than them that they can coast, and uh, it's an easy game. In college, I mean, there's no real easy games. Um, you know, Arizona's blown out opponents, but obviously those teams and those players are better than most guys that Josh Green saw uh, in high school. And I think that oftentimes you struggle when, you know, you might have a couple off games. How do you... How do you turn that around? And then I think that a veteran 
um, a guy that's been around the block in college basketball will have a better uh, idea or a better way um, to kind of overturn that and, and get through that as opposed to a freshman where maybe it starts to impact them mentally a little bit and take away from other aspects of their game. Um, you know, the thing with Josh Green is even when he's struggling with his shooting, uh, I think that he can impact the game with his passing. He can impact the game with his defense. He's the best transition player, in my opinion, that Arizona has right now. Uh, it's just kind of a matter, again, of being consistent and kind of bringing it all together. And we've seen games like Illinois, for instance, where he's brought it all together and he looks unreal. He looks like a lottery pick. And even when he's struggling, you could tell that he's impacting the game in other ways. I'd like to see him attack the glass a little bit more. I think eventually that'll come. Um, but I don't have any any big complaints with the way that Josh uh, has played this season. Uh, right now, to me, the uh, the most interesting player on the roster is probably Zeke. And the reason is, you know, Zeke early in the season was an animal. No one could stop him. Uh, hitting jumpers left and right, scoring on the block, uh, defending, etc. And basically what happened is teams said to themselves, look, if Arizona's going to beat us, so be it. Zeke isn't going to be the one to beat us. Because what was happening was Zeke was getting it work against side. And you, you kind of have to pick your poison once he's able to, to work the ball inside and have success there. And it's not going to happen every game. But what teams have done and Baylor did is basically said when Zeke touched the ball inside, we're going to go get him. And Zeke's having trouble with that. Uh, there's no question about it. He's having trouble with the double team. Um, and, and, and it's frustrating him. And, and it goes back similar to what I said with uh, with Josh Green and that oftentimes freshmen could lose their confidence a little bit. I think it is glaring with Zeke that part of that is what's happening. I think if you, if you watch the Baylor game, there's a few times where Chase Jeter went up to him and basically had to tell him to get his head up and get, get back into the game mentally. Um, because this is a kid where he dominated college basketball for his first, whatever, six, seven games. Uh, and then teams started doubling him, and they're giving him looks that he's literally never seen, and Arizona's working through it. And it's it's not going to be easy. Um, Gonzaga will probably play him straight up because they have the personnel to do it, but other teams in the Pac-12 probably won't. I mean, Colorado will double him. Washington maybe will play him straight up. UCLA will probably double him. Um, and again, there's there's other teams, but... Uh, he's he's just he's going to see different looks and he's got to be able to recognize the double and either pass it quick or make his offensive move before that double is set because once that double is set life obviously becomes much more difficult for him and, and I think that the biggest concern isn't necessarily his ability with the double it's that it is it, it, it's starting to impact him mentally it, it feels like like you could just see that in that Baylor game if you watch it there's there's times where his head is down, and, and you don't want to see that from a freshman. And, and I think that Zeke is good enough to overcome that. I don't think it'll be a problem all season. It's just a matter of here's a freshman who dominated college basketball, and now things have changed. I mean, and he's he's never seen it uh, this difficult, and, and it's impacted him. And I'm curious to see, like I wouldn't be surprised against Omaha or even against Gonzaga where Arizona tries to get him some easy buckets early and, uh, and gets him to – to adjust a little bit and try to get him some confidence back. Sean Miller tends to do that. He's done it with Chase Cheater in the past, where you try to get him some early buckets that are easy uh, and get him going, especially against that double team and the different look on defense. Um, if Zeke is the most intriguing player right now, I think the most frustrating player 
is probably Chase Jeter. And the numbers are there for Chase. They really are. Uh, the numbers aren't bad. The rebounding numbers aren't bad. But uh, I think that the Baylor game kind of epitomizes what frustrates people uh, about Chase Jeter. And that is there was the play. Um, I don't remember exactly what time it was, but uh, where basically Chase got pushed from underneath the basket and Baylor got two or three offensive rebounds in, in one sequence. And eventually, you know, if Chase wants to play on the next level, well, you know, NBA is probably out of the question, Europe, whatever it may be, he has to toughen up. I mean, he has to be willing to plant his feet in the ground and say, this this is my area. And the, I think the frustrating thing with Chase is he has the size to do it. He's got good size, and he gets pushed around. And it's a scary prospect because guys like Isaiah Stewart on Washington are going to push him around. Gonzaga, Petrozev, they'll push him around. Tilly will push him around. Um, other teams, you know, USC, he'll get pushed around. He has to be able to stand his ground and basically man up. Um, and he's got the talent. He's not a terrible player. I know people are frustrated with him, but remember, in Anaheim, he was really good. Um, the first game, he wasn't. He didn't get the rebound, but offensively, he was fine, and then the next two games, uh, he, he played two of his better games in an Arizona uniform. The problem is that Arizona is not a great rebounding team this season because guys like Nico isn't, aren't a great rebounder, Dylan, etc., but you know they have to. Chase has to be able to stand his ground and say, "I'm going to go get some of these rebounds." And it's not a lack of timing. It's not a lack of ability. It's basically, to me at least, a look. Sit down, bend your legs, put your butt out, and go get the basketball. Go box someone out. And it's it's simple stuff that you learn in high school and all that. But for some reason, it, it's it's just not. In Chase's DNA, and it's similar to when he has the ball on offense, he gets an offensive rebound, he has to dribble, or he gets the ball on the block and he doesn't go up with it right away. And a lot of times that separates the really good big men from the average big men from the not-so-great big men. It is the ability to get the ball, go up with it, and dunk it. And if you watch the better big men in college basketball, the NBA, whatever it may be, when they get the ball on the offensive glass, they're right back up within a second. And Jeter has to collect himself, and he dribbles. And a lot of it, for based on what I've seen and what I can gather, is because uh, he's he's just afraid of contact. And I don't know if that's something that you could coach. That might just be what he is and who he is right now, and that's going to be the frustrating aspect of his game. Um, and it is frustrating. I mean, there's no doubt about it because you see flashes of Chase. Um, you know, he hit free throws last game against Baylor. He was a big reason why Arizona was in the game, but he was also a big reason why Arizona was getting out-rebounded because uh, Gillespie owned him. I mean, he absolutely outplayed Chase, and uh, Gillespie isn't the type of player that should be dominating Chase on the block or on the glass. And I'm not saying Gillespie isn't a good player, uh, but he's a player where Chase should be able to go and, and body him up and, and, and you know, go head-to-head -head with him. And, and Gillespie outplayed him, and that was one of the biggest differences in the Baylor game. And it's going to be uh, a difference in a lot of games moving forward unless Chase can do it because, guys, you know, the, the, the scouting report is out. Body him up, be physical with them, and go get on the glass. And, and if Chase can't adjust to that, um, you know, I, I don't know what Arizona does. Coloco, I, I know that Christian Coloco is a popular guy. But Christian Coloco didn't have any rebounds against Baylor in 12 minutes. And at the end of the day, they're going to look at that and they're going to say, look, his blocks were great, his assists was great, but no rebounds from our center in 12 minutes just isn't going to fly. And, and that will be the biggest 
difference for Coloco moving forward is that to the average fan, he looks great, and I get it. I like Coloco. I think he should get more minutes too. But to the coaching staff, they're going to say no rebounds in 12 minutes. That can't fly. We can't play them. And it's similar to, like, Ira Lee. Like, Ira Lee makes a ton of mistakes on offense because he tries too hard, which sounds crazy to say, but even Sean Miller has said that he's just so excited when he gets on the court and he tries so hard that he makes mistakes. But you know Ira's going to go out there and play his butt off defensively and try to rebound the basketball and usually have success with it. And so a lot of times you're going to see that it's hard for uh, for Ira to, to be off the court um, because of his rebounding ability, that when they go to the subs, maybe Coloco's not the first big off the bench because he has to prove that he can rebound at a consistent rate. So overall, I, I think that there were some questions that came from the Baylor game. But again, like I didn't watch the Baylor game and go, man, Arizona's not good anymore. Like This was their first team that was good that they played, and they lost to them. By the way, Illinois, who I don't think is a great team, almost beat Maryland blew the loss. I mean, it was it was ridiculous how they lost that game. But um, if you watch college basketball, that's kind of just what it is this year. Like, I have yet to watch a college basketball game, whether it's Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, and say Arizona can't beat that team. Have I seen teams that I think are probably better than Arizona right now? Absolutely. But do I watch a game and say, man, Arizona cannot be that team? No, definitely not. I think if Arizona's hitting, if they defend like they defended against Baylor, which I didn't mention, but their defense against Baylor was clearly their best defense of the year. Um, you know, the, the biggest – it's crazy because we always thought that with Arizona that when they lost the first game, it'd be because uh, the defense wasn't there. In this case, it was the offense. The defense was fine. I think the offense put up too many early shots, um, didn't get some good looks. Um, you know, and, and they'll probably fix that. But if you take their defense in the Baylor game and you improve Arizona's offense even a little bit and go back to what they've done this season for the majority of the season, Arizona's a really, really good basketball team. So overall, just wanted to kind of review the Baylor game. Um, again, not a huge concern to me. Uh, maybe my opinion changes this weekend after Arizona plays Gonzaga, who I think is better than Baylor. Um, has beaten Oregon and is kind of making its way through the, the West Coast, has beaten Washington, and now you're starting to hear Gonzaga's the best team in the West, and they might be. Um, but we'll we'll take a look at the Gonzaga game later in the week. But uh, once again, I am Jason Shear, senior editor of WildcatAuthority.com. I promise I will be healthy enough to do the Gonzaga podcast, hopefully. Um, maybe I'll wear one of those masks. We'll see. But um, do me a favor, go online wherever it is, Rate the podcast five stars. Leave a comment. Uh, it's you know it's it helps a lot, and it's uh it's something that management is asking me to to ask you guys to do. But uh, I appreciate it. Again, Jason Shear, Wildcat Scoop Podcast. Thanks for listening.